The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. Welcome. Thank you for joining us again today. This is Authentically You, social interaction for the mind and soul. You're listening to Society Bites Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Himmer, along with my lovely bride, Sherry. And for the next 25 minutes, we're going to talk about bullying. We're going to talk about how to address it. We're going to talk about how to protect yourself. We're going to do a case study. And then we're, we're going to take a look review. at what it looks like or what things on the incivility continuum look like that we talked about last time. Some things are close to bullying but may not be quite. How do we know the difference? Right. You know, one thing is to be uncivil. Other things to be rude, but another things to be a bully. And it's important to know that those can lead to, not always, but they're on this continuum that could lead to bullying and worse, the results of the fallout of bullying. Right. So uh, in our last segment, we talked about the incivility continuum. I'm going to review it quickly, and then I think we'll go into the case study to set the stage for today's conversation. So in the incivility continuum, remember, this is both true at home and at work. But it's the ability to be aware and to give it a name. I, I can't tell you the power of having a name for a behavior. The reason that it's so powerful is if I see someone acting rudely, if I say, boy, that person's rude, I've just objectified that person. And now I'm personal to that person. She's rude or he's rude. But what if I couched it in this fashion? That behavior is rude or that person is acting rudely. You see, what I don't know is why they're acting that way. I don't have the full story. So instead of objectifying them, I'm leaving the things that I don't know into I don't know. But I can give a name to the behavior. Well, I like how you're framing it, that the the talk that we can be giving ourselves is like, wow, I'm noticing that that person is acting such and such a way. I wonder why. Instead of, boy, they're just bad people. Right. It, it puts you in a position of not being heavy in judgment, but at the same time, giving yourself the position to understand, but not be without boundaries. And when you move into a judgment position, think of the energy you carry yeah. about yourself. Yeah. I see too many people going day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute, full of judgment in a protective measure. It's their way of medicating. When I have to, when I judge other people, I'm putting them down, Right. Well, that's dumb and that's stupid. So many couch potato judges exist in our world with no solutions, and they're afraid to get out there and become the solution. Well, we need those solutions. And so I think that's a really good place. When we've been talking for a couple of 
podcast segments on bullying is that when our awareness gets raised to something, then all of a sudden we're firing judgment on every little bit out there. So let's, should we jump into a case study that we've got here? Yeah, let, and me let's finish, let me finish in continue, the continuum here and then we'll do the case study. Yeah. It goes this way, inappropriate behavior. So as we do the case study, let's pay attention to what's inappropriate in the case study between Fred and Nancy. Then uncivil. So that's just basic incivility. Moving then to disrespect. Now, keep in mind, if there's inappropriateness, incivility, or disrespect, that's stress. Mm-hmm. And it's going to impact the health if done over six, six months. If just done on that day, yes, it's not going to be healthy. But you can process that out over one time, maybe two. Workplace bullying has to be over a continuum of six months. Then into mild bullying, then to severe, moderate to severe bullying. And that's what, kind of where we're going to stop. We're not going to move to battery or to homicide or suicide. Please, let's not go there. So anyway, now we can get ready for the case study. So we've agreed that um, my lovely bride will be the narrator. And this case study is between two people, Fred and Nancy. Fred's the supervisor. Nancy's his executive secretary. And that's where we'll pick it up. Clarity and communication is so elusive because our current paradigm surrounding the purpose of community communicating is to get others to agree with us. To some words, whether written or verbal, are means to a specific end. I want it my way, or you need to understand me. When one communicates with the intent to persuade others toward a desired belief or action, that belief or action comes from the position of seeking agreement. The agreement-seeking position is fraught with danger. Consider the work situation between Fred and Nancy. Fred wants Nancy to crunch some numbers so he can look good to upper management. He typically panics when pressed and puts other people into stress mode. Nancy is frustrated with Fred's constant panics and she's resistant to the late nights and weekends in order to save Fred's reputation and perhaps position. Fred's problem has now become Nancy's headache, and to complicate the situation, it's Nancy's 10th wedding anniversary, and tonight she has a dinner appointment with her husband. So I'm going to be Fred, and Sherry's going to be Nancy. Nancy, I hope you didn't plan anything tonight, because you're working late. But Fred, I always work late. I'm tired and need a break. Can't you get someone else to help? Perhaps I didn't enunciate clearly. I just received an email from corporate that our project is being reviewed next week. I need those numbers right away, and you're the lucky one. That's not fair. Why do I always have to work late? Can't we do this tomorrow? (laughs) No, you can't. If you don't get me the numbers right away, we're all in trouble. And woman, if I'm going down, so is everyone else, including you. But it's my 10th wedding anniversary, and I've planned a special dinner at our favorite restaurant. Well, you can just postpone your dinner till the weekend, because tonight, you've got other plans. Okay. End of take one. So, Dr. Himmer, is that bowling, or what is it? That depends. What's it, it depending on? Time. How long it's been going on. Um... The power? Is there a power is there a power differential or is there a power neutral? Well, clearly Fred thinks he has all power and he's trying to wield it, I feel. And just the fact that he's saying if um you don't do what I want, I'm going down and then you're going down. So He's a he's her manager. Yeah. There's a power differential just in, in the position. position. Yeah. So he has power over employment. 
We don't know Fred and Nancy's ages. No, we don't. So we're going to leave that one neutral. Yeah. So we've got a power differential in that one has power over her her corporate life, right? Mm-hmm. Number two, we have power over her time. Yep, and he's he's trying to wield it. He's wielding that power. So a couple of things to, to pay attention to. Is there fear in the story? Remember I talked about bullies or closet cowards? And we're trying to identify, you know, what's going on by name. Is Fred coming from a position of confidence? Is he coming from a position of competence? No, clearly he's in fear. He's feeling panicked about this number crunching, and he's putting it onto her. So if he's in a position of fear, which I argue is how bullies operate, he's also fearful of being found out or being discovered. What do you think he's afraid of? His incompetency. And he's knowing that Nancy can produce what he needs to look competent. So that he's not even taking responsibility for what part he could do in this. Nailed it. Please understand, if you're in a position like this, you've got your first position of defense is to be able to recognize by naming the behavior what it is. Notice the impact of being neutral in this space. You're simply being able to recognize Fred's coming from a position of fear. I'm not trying to make Fred be a bad person. I'm simply indicating when you're afraid, think about when you were young and you were afraid. Did you do everything completely reasonable and rational? Right. You tend to lash out when you're afraid. That's what he's doing. Now, he's doing this to Nancy. Now, let's address Nancy for a second. Is Nancy part of the problem or is she completely an innocent bystander here? Well, she doesn't seem to have had a history of holding up boundaries, and so she kind of comes off whiny. <laughs> All right, so let's make sure we understand something. To a, to a bully, if someone looks weak or defenseless, it gets them all Twitter pages. She's kind of spilling out this victim message about, I never, I always have to work late, I'm tired, I need a break. You know. In fact, she doesn't just say clearly. And this is where the communication piece comes that, you know, was introduced in this piece, is that she's not communicating clearly her needs. She's kind of cloaking that into a victim story first. Not only is she not communicating her needs, which are not really important at this time, given the scenario, she's not getting any understanding of the situation. So she went right to victim's position, created a perpetrator in Fred, and now you've got a triggered to flooded position. She's completely flooded in her position. She's in fight, flight, freeze, or faint. And she's really in a situation now where she doesn't have any hope for being able to save her wedding anniversary. And that is a priority. It is. But Fred now, what what a beautiful way to make Fred over the top, and I'm using the term knowingly, happy. Because he's not happy. But he's becoming, he's just getting he's drugged getting up. He's getting juice. Oh, man. He's getting juice. That is the best martini he's had in years. Because <laughs> he can then stop her from going on the, the, the anniversary dinner, and it's his doing. He and completely pushed her He's buttons. just affirmed his power that he can ruin her anniversary. So let's talk about anything inappropriate in there, anything uncivil, anything disrespectful. Where are we coming with this? And there's the tone, and it's how he sees her, and it's also how she sees herself. I see disrespect from within Nancy herself, and I think that's pretty, like, the fundamental piece that's missing here. Yeah, so what's happening is Nancy doesn't respect her own boundaries, but does Fred respect his boundaries? Does Fred respect Fred? You know, 
no, he doesn't, because he doesn't see that he has responsibilities. Responsibilities isn't a burden. It can be a joy. Nancy, I hope you didn't plan anything tonight because you're working late. Where's the self-respect of a human being working with another? Trying, remember, as the role of a leader or the role of a manager is to maximize the production of the person under your stewardship. A manager and a leader really is a servant. Their design is to teach. The root word of teach is E-D-U. It means to pull out that which is hidden or latent. Is he pulling out of her that which is hidden or latent from a skill standpoint? Is he creating an environment where she wants to work, where she wants to do well? He's abdicating the role of a leader, and he's moved into a manager. So let's define that real quick. I don't know if we've done that. It sounds more like a dictator to me. But a manager is a manager of things. Right. They move Numbers, punch cards, times, projects. A leader is a leader of humans. He left leadership and went into management when he turned himself into an object and he turned her into an object because they're, they're nothing but less respected of each other. And he fostered that. And my guess is he's allowed to get away with that because the culture allows that. So now we've got a clear understanding of where he is. Now, but I know what would be fun right now because we do have time. It's let's itemize or label the kinds of bullies that we've got. Yeah, let's look at those different kind of bullies. So we can kind of see that there's definitely dis- disrespect and, you know, a little bit of um, incivility and just, like, not even caring about her and her situation. To me, that is incivility. It's just not being nice. And um, so we're on the continuum. We're not quite sure if it's outright bullying, depended on if this position of power gets wielded over time. But let's talk about the different types of bullies that there can be. Well, there's, okay, we got profiles, we have types, and we have features. So on the profiles, and we won't go into this much detail right now, but on profile, we have accidental bullies, narcissistic bullies, and psychopathic bullies. So those accidental bullies, and you mentioned in the last segment that they're pretty common, like the most common. Right. So the, the uh, accidental bully is simply someone who is there because the person becomes a bully because the culture allows it. Okay. That's the path of least resistance. A narcissistic bully is a completely different approach. There isn't much you can do about that one or the psychopathic bully. So I would argue that 80 plus, maybe even 90% of all bullies are accidental bullies. They're just taking on what's been working in the culture. Right. And they're part of the cog and that wheel that's moving. It, it is the path of least resistance. It's the, it's the person who... They're that way because they can be. But if they were a different way, here's the definitions right out of the dissertation. Accidental bullies are the most common and usually are individuals in supervisory positions with very tough management styles and coarse interpersonal styles. There's Fred. He's very low on the the emotional intelligence. They're demanding, they're Mm -hmm. task-oriented, and they typically have tight deadlines. Oh, that sounds like Fred. That's our Fred. They lack self-awareness, and they lack empathy. Fred, he does not empathize with their situation in the end. And let's define empathy real quick, just so we have clarity. Empathy is not you know what they're going through because you've had a similar experience. That's sympathy. Empathy is the ability to articulate 
the feelings and the thoughts, and this, we'll do it from Fred's position, of Nancy through Nancy's eyes. He's not looking okay. through or taking on Nancy's perspective at all. Now, here's what Dr. Namie, the, the Namies have found out. This type of bully is usually amendable to intervention. So we can help this person. And they're shocked when they learn of the consequence of their behavior. They've been doing what they've been doing because they think it's the most efficient way, and they're under the pressure to get things done. And when they can find out there's another way to do it, these people can... They want to change. Yeah. The 10 people that came up to me after my presentations, they're accidental bullies. They're not bullies because they're, be they're, they're mean or they're bad. They're not narcissists and they're not psychopaths. They're simply following the culture and what was expected and how they were trained. Narcissistic, charismatic, driven by fear. They must be seen as important and competent. They must be right. That's an addiction. That's a little, I mean, Fred's got a little bit possibly going on here, so it's a matter of which one came first. They are self-absorbed and pretentious, and they fantasize about their achievements. These bullies do not intend harm, but they are not aware of the consequences of their self-absorbed behavior. They use shame as a tactic and are sensitive to any hint of incompetence by others. Their self-image is easily punctured, and when they receive a threat or a slight, they lack self-control and rage, making outlandish claims about their perceived detractors. Narcissistic bullies shift between being very congenial one moment and vicious the next. That sounds like the two-headed snake. Yeah, we're going to get into the types of yeah. bullies, right? Their abuse is not intended as cold and calculating, but is meant to intimidate as an expression of their superiority and the message that the targets are idiots. The, re the problem with trying to throw Fred uh -huh. into here, in my, my opinion, yeah, is that um, Fred, there's so many, so few people who are really narcissists. And remember, narcissist is bred by family of origin, not like psychopaths. A narcissist is taught how to be that way, and they're incredibly difficult to change. Um, because it's been ingrained since childhood. Right. We're talking about early onset. But they childhood. don't perceive that they need any help. So real quick, psychopathics, just so it makes sense, they're rare, only 1% to 2% in the general population. But the more, they are more common in senior level management. So put in perspective, 1% to 2% in the general population, but up to 3.5% as CEOs. Hmm. Other names for psychopathic bullies are industrial psychopaths, organizational psychopaths, corporate psychopaths, etc. And unlike criminal psychopaths, these non-criminal bullies are not prone to outbursts of impulsive, violent, or criminal behavior. Instead, their grandiose but come across as friendly at first. So you might be talking to a psychopath just before he or she stabs you in the back. They're motivated by power and are socially talented at networking with influential people. And you'll notice them because they usually have meteoric rises. They're very young and they just skyrocket through the organizational culture. They're experts at, uh, at networking. They're experts at padding someone's and, and actually grooming them. To have a, they manage or manipulate the perception of others about them. And I do have a case study. I don't know if we'll get to that. Yeah, that sounds a little bit intriguing just because they sound like the dream child of corporate America, mm -hmm. you know. But, yeah, it's where, where does it cross over that it's culturally created or is it 
self-created. So that's so an interesting. Let's do question. the profiles real quick, or the um, the types, the types real quick, and then and do take two on this one. Okay. Okay. So the types are, and we can get into this more details later. You've got the screaming Mimi, the one who just takes rages, off, rages. Yeah. But only nine percent of bullies are screaming or screamers. I just can't imagine that they would last long. Like who can take that? In the olden days, they actually did. Yeah. But today, not so much. So then there's the constant critic. Always criticize. You can never be good enough. You and that's the yeah. 29%. So a fairly large amount. The two-headed snake is the most predominant. You come in, you get all hugs and roses. You have a, a honeymoon for a week or two. And then, bam. And because they're so common, it's because it works most. Because you get this wonderful person, the congenial, Miss mm-hmm. Congeniality or Mr. Congeniality. And then you get... You get lambasted by them, and you never so, know when it's coming. Never know. I've actually experienced this one. Right. So. And then the, <laughs> and that's thirty six percent. And then the last one is the gatekeeper. Um, if I can read that number, it's twenty six percent. So the gatekeeper is. There's uh, a bigger one over here. The gatekeeper is the last one, and that's kind of like the. They love to control. Swimsuit. They love to control. Yeah. They um they deny. They block resources. Uh, it's it's the one who won't give you the information you need to finish the they project. Withhold. They withhold. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the two-headed snake one, I think, is so pervasive. And, and I was just listening to some interesting conversations in reflection to um, an ex- experiences of where a, a two-headed snake bully was in similar locations or different locations but similar cultures. Mm-hmm. And um, it always comes back to, but. They could be so nice, uh-huh. and so that there's always that lure. But they could be so fun, and in the moment, you really, really enjoyed them. But then, in other situations, you did not know what you're going to get, and it wasn't fun, and it didn't make sense. But you always knew there was this other side of their personality that was going to come out and just warm you over, and so they last, and they're pervasive. Um, and what makes it what makes the person feel so good when they're nice is the contrast of when they're not. Right. So they remember when they're not, and they're going, oh, they've changed. You know, they're learning. You know, I like this person because they're scared to death of when the change will happen. The Jekyll and Hyde approach. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's an interesting experience. And um, so let's do take two of Fred and Nancy. So what we're going to do in take two, given the amount of time that we have, we'd like to be able to address this. Nancy is going to all of a sudden have the skill set of protecting herself against a bully. She's got bully repellent skills. We've been really focusing on bullies and who they are, but any target can do some things, some simple things, besides walk out the door, which is one of the choices, but, and that could be Nancy's, could be Nancy's choice. Um, But there are some things that you can do to protect yourself from, from bullies. Yeah. And in one of the things we need to understand is that you cannot wait. The longer you wait, the harder it gets. So if you're taking on a new job and you came from a bully environment, you need to act immediately to address the elephant in the room. And there are certain skills that you can do. But if you if it's too late, you know, meaning that it's been going on a while, then we need to prep you for the fact is that either you're going to have to endure because HR won't help you. The statistics show um, and that they're not going to change. So usually what happens is people have to leave their jobs. But we can get into more details in another segment. So let's see how Nancy deals with the jerk boss, Fred. All right. So here we go. Nancy, I hope you didn't plan anything tonight because you're working late. Excuse me, Fred. Working late? 
Right. You're, you're crunching numbers for the project launch. You've known about this for a week. Okay. When do you need the numbers? Well, the VP of sales sent me an email indicating that some corporate bigwigs are flying in next week to review the project launch, and your numbers are critical. When did you say they were arriving? Um, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon. The meeting's at 3 in the conference room, and your attendance is mandatory. Okay. I've got the mandatory meeting on my calendar. Is there anything besides the numbers you want me to handle? Yeah. Um, I need you to make about five slides for my keynote presentation. When do you need those? I guess I need those Monday afternoon. Got it. If I have the numbers and the slides ready for you around 2 p.m. Monday, does that work for you? Yeah, I guess so. If I get you the numbers by Friday afternoon, does that help the situation? Absolutely. Boy, that would be wonderful. I'll need to drop a few things from my punch list in order to accomplish that. You okay with that? Yeah, great. Thanks for your cooperation. You're welcome. See you tomorrow. Now, what I wrote in the small term down here is, this is seeking understanding before trying to get agreement. Let's real quick. How did Nancy address Fred right out of the chute? Yeah. Versus, um, but Fred, I always work late. Right. It, I mean, she diffused him with the whole thing where he just launched and you're working late without me. He's using that power in that very moment. And she kind of mirrored him. Right. Excuse me, Fred. So it's like, she's like, I'm listening. Working late? Like, let me understand what you mean by working late. Because, exactly. Because that is one, he's, he's, he's pushing her buttons to get a rise out of her and then to have power over her. We're almost out of time. I'm going to propose this to you. Let's pick this up in the next segment, and let's dissect exactly what Nancy did. Let's talk about how she, what behavior she used, and we call this Jedi mind magic in my, in my office. So let's talk about the Jedi mind magic steps that allowed her to diffuse and actually control the environment with a bully inside that environment. Okay, this sounds powerful. We all need this. So thanks so much for listening. This is... Uh, authentically you on society bites radio if you have questions on this and man if you've experienced this you know the feeling that that gut feeling or your heart center just busting is it so uncomfortable dealing with it send me an email dr h d r h at himmercenter.com please remember there's hope you have the resources within you you've got the ability to handle this you need to learn a few skills if you're having it constantly or maybe you need to get out of the environment that's so toxic in any way, thanks for listening. Remember, we want to live a perfect life. Perfect is something that's happened to you that's exactly what you need at that time that allows you to make a mistake and then do a retake. That's what it's all about. So if you like this, leave a comment on Sprecher, and we look forward to our next segment where we'll pick up Fred and Nancy, finish off that dialogue, and continue our discussion on workplace bullying. Talk to you soon. The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for, and done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switch to a better plan. And Michael. 
I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face and done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. No matter where you are in your wellness journey, immune support is crucial. That's why you need quality immune support that you can trust. Nature's Way Sambucus is the elderberry brand that you can count on to provide quality, traditional immune support. We pick our elderberries at their peak to deliver an elderberry extract rather than a juicer or powder so you know you're getting the best of what nature has to offer. Find your way to well with quality immune support from Nature's Way Sambucus. This statement has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 